Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I want to do this message today called um, Love in Action. The reason I want to do that is we've been speaking all week, all month about love. And, um, but I thought, how can I put some flesh to it? How, how can I show it to us in the flesh? And, and so I began to think about it, and I told you a little bit of a snippet last week. So we're going to use the story of Jonathan and David. That's a phenomenal story, but unfortunately, some people have perverted that story over the years and tried to make it something that it was never meant to be, where actually some people use it as a basis of uh, supporting homosexuality, which is just absolutely ridiculous, but it's another, that's another thing for another day. But I want to talk to you about this, because um, let me refresh your memory. What did Jesus say about love? He said what? The number one commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said the second one is like it. What? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. The last thing he did for his disciples, who were arguing over who was going to be the greatest, was to wash their feet. The last major discourse that he had with them centered around their ability to love each other. They'll know you're my disciples by your love. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. No, he, he talked to them about how no greater love has a man than lay down his life for his friends. Paul, he penned the words, the first Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. We're in a world that really desperately needs to see love. And I want you to know the world needs to see love from the church. They don't need to see any more anger. They don't need to see any more offense from the church. They don't need to see any more eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality that the church has been living with. The world needs to see love from the church. The church needs to see love from each other. When you come into these walls, I'm hoping that you feel loved, you know? And um, so I preached for weeks on it. The first message was defined by love, talking about the people of God. They were defined by a people who were loved by God. Then I talked to you about vessels of love, how Jesus was creating vessels of love out of those disciples. And then they're loving the Hatfields and the McCoys. I mean, you know, we love our, each other. We love those we love, and we love those who are our enemies. Those Hatfields are easy, but those McCoys, eh, I'm not sure about them. The, and then last week, the greatest of these. And today is love in action. How many know love is proved by action? How many know talk is cheap? All right, it doesn't mean it's perfect, but actions are a demonstration of love. Let me, let me give you a little illustration, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll kind of set it up. It's like, for instance, how many of you guys remember dating your bride? And you fell in love. Right? I mean, you, 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 you date the lady for a while. You fall in love with that lady. And then what does you begin to do? What do they begin to do? What does that man? He begins to think, I want to marry that lady. Right? And so what does he do then? He might do something like, I don't know. Let me think. He might, he might, he might take a hike in the woods, up a mountain trail. Because he's setting it all up. Because I mean, no, he's got the game. He's setting it all up. And he, and he might get there and he might just... Show up with a ring. I mean, how I many you know everybody carries a diamond on a hike? I mean, that's, that's on your list. Water, food, backpack, ring. Okay, but you know, when you're setting it up, you, you know, to go up this long mountain, present a ring. Well, let me show you what it looks like. It might, it might look like something like this. You know? It, it, she didn't think I, she thought I forgot. Okay, okay. okay. Like, like it might look like this, you know. And then, and then what does she do 
as a reaction to that, he brings the ring, he proposes, she obviously says yes, he gives the ring, he gets a kiss on the cheek. We got love in action. But then what happens is, how many know that love will change the way that you kind of do things? Right? Like, like it actually might change the way that you now hold your coffee mug. <laughs> you know, you hold it with two hands now because one hand isn't enough and you got to get that, that left hand positioned just right so everybody can see that glittery thing right there. It just, I mean, like, it's like, oh, how are you doing today? Oh, it's so good to see you. And then you wave to somebody, hi. All of a sudden, you're waving backwards. <laughs> you know, it, it's good practice because when she had a broken wrist, she was pouring the lattes left-handed. Now she pours them left-handed all the time. <sighs> it might look like something like this. Love in action. And then, how I many know, sometimes love is kind of quantified by what you say. Like, like okay, now I'll show you an illustration of that, okay? And, and you know, how many know, I gotta, the means justify the ends, the ends justify the means sometimes. I, I, I'm gonna self, this is shameless, I know. But what's that? It's just coincidence. It's not my fault that Carson gave me an illustration this week. So in, I'm reading Facebook. I click on Facebook the other day, and I pick up, and I see this that my wife posted. Gotta love grandkids. I'm driving Carson to school, and she randomly says, I'm glad mommy and daddy picked me. I say to her, I'm so glad too. She then proceeds to say, because I got the pappy I wanted. <laughs> How many know I bought the car that day? Now, when I, listen, when I saw that on Facebook, I just closed out of it, didn't tell a soul. <laughs> Let me tell you what I did. I called everybody. I said, you know how you watch, you know, you know how you, you watch people pop a cork from a champagne bottle? I want you to, I had a hat on that day. I said, I want you to watch this hat shoot off my head when I read this to you. <laughs> just a little shameless plug there. I'm sorry. But isn't it amazing that love is proved by actions, is it not? And so I want to I show you a few things this morning. First Samuel chapter 18, if you would turn there with me. This is the story of Jonathan and David. This is something I have done multiple messages on. I've done this with leadership material because there's a different way I can go with it uh, in regards to leadership. Uh, but today I want to use it in the context of showing you what I think love looks like in action. Okay, so the second greatest commandment that Jesus said was what? He said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Let me give you three scriptures, all right, that are found in this story of Jonathan and David. The first one is verse one. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. The second one, 1 Samuel 8, 3. Or 18.3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan made David, the next verse, Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. How many of you think Jonathan loved David as himself? Isn't it amazing? He's got this principle down, this New Testament principle down, living in the Old Testament era. Okay, so what does this look like? Let me make sure I have that on for Skip. I'm good, right, Skip? Good. All right. I, 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 what does it look like? 
Well, let me give you some things. I'm going to go rather fast. I've got, because I've got a, I've got a 20 minute message today. Followed by another 20 minute message. The first thing, okay? So let, let's, take, let's take a look. What does this look like? All right, I love you as myself. What does it look like flesh in, in, in the flesh? Number one, let me put it to you this way. Number one, I will step aside so that you can step up. You gotta understand something. Remember this. Jonathan was the son of Saul, the king. If you're the son of the king, you're the heir to the throne. You're the prince. You're to be next. You're the next man in charge. But here comes this peasant kid, farmer kid, shepherd boy, who God has anointed as the next king. He's going to take your spot. He's going to take your position, all right? I don't know about you, but if I'm next to be king, I'm not sure I want somebody coming and taking my spot. But watch this. So, so Jonathan, who was the son of the king, makes a covenant with the last born son of a farmer. Perhaps he had aspirations. Jonathan was no lightweight. Jonathan was a warrior. Jonathan knew how to fight. Jonathan had men who followed him. This was not somebody who did not possess the ability to lead. What do you do when someone seemingly is getting what you're supposed to get? What do you do when someone seemingly is getting what you thought belonged to you, that it was yours? Notice what Jonathan said, all right? He he says a number of things. One of the places I want to take you is to the end to kind of give you a context. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 23, um, there's a statement that Jonathan says, do not be afraid because the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you, and watch this, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. I will be by your side. You'll be king. You will take your spot. The kingship is yours. The position is yours. And I'm going to be next from you, next to you. I'm not going to retreat from you. Some people say, I'll step aside, but I'm not going to help you. John says, I'll step aside, and I'll be by your side. That's that's, that's just so profound. I will not run from you. I will not take my ball and go home. I will not quit. I will not be offended. I'll be right next to you. I'll help you. I'll fight with you. I'll war with you. I'll be your brother in arms because I love you as myself. Too much of Christianity today is made about us instead of God and others. My spot, my position, my turf, my this, my that. Jonathan said, in other words, I got your back. I'll be, to help, I'll be here to help you be successful in the position that is yours. That, that is yours, that was supposed to be mine. I will not be like my father who is jealous of you. I'll lay down my dreams for you to assume your position. I'll step aside for you to step up. But when I step aside, I'm going to be by your side. I love the spirit of this man. Because the Bible actually tells us that greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. I mean, it's one thing to die for somebody protecting them. I mean, it's another thing to die daily for someone. On a daily basis where I have to deny myself, kill myself, kill my own aspirations, kill my own flesh, kill my own dreams, kill my, I, I got to die on a daily basis. How many know if you want a successful marriage, you'll learn how to die every day or you'll might die. <laughs> you got to die to self. Yeah, I've, I've joked about it for years. I often use it, and I'll use it again today because that's what preachers do. They use something, they use it 100 times over. Don't be shaking your head over there, Dunio. But I tell you, husbands, you know, what you, you know you would defend your wife. You know you would die if somebody was breaking into your house, if somebody was trying to come in there to harm her, your kids, and kill you. You would die protecting them. But she's not getting that remote. 
And I'm not, I, I, and, 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 and George, we, we got to go to Joanne Fabric. <laughs> oh. How many know what I'm talking about? It's one thing to die in an act of a moment. It's another thing to die every day and die every day and die every day. I'll step aside for you to step up. You see, stepping aside for someone doesn't require leaving their side. It doesn't require it. The first thing, how how do I put this in the flesh? Somewhere in your life, you're going to be challenged to step aside for somebody to step up. My question is, will your love enable you to do it? Will your love enable you to do it? Saul could not do it because Saul didn't love David. But love will cause you to do it. Love will cause you to deny yourself so your children can step up, so your spouse can step up, so your neighbor can step up. Love will cause you to say, I'll step aside. Come on, step up and take your spot. The second thing, my stuff is your stuff. My stuff is your stuff. Love this portion of scripture. Verse three. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. Man, he gives him his robe, armor, sword, bow, and belt. All these things belonged to the next king of Israel. These were the tolls of a king who he was now handing to a farmer, to a shepherd. Because David had the tolls of a shepherd. He went to battle against Goliath with a sling and some stones and was quite successful. But Jonathan says, here, to assume your position, you're going to need what I got. You're going to need what I got. And I'm going to take what I have to give to you because you need it. These were the, these were the tolls of a king. The, this, the, the would-be king gave his stuff to the next king. He was saying to him, here's what he's saying. I recognize your anointing. And I'm going to equip you with what you need to walk in that anointing. Oh, could the church of Jesus Christ get that spirit today? When sometimes in churches you have, thankfully we don't have it here. We've got a wonderful, wonderful spirit in this house. But I've seen where I go to churches where I find board members and I find elders fighting against the anointed, fighting against the pastor, rather than equipping and making their life hard. Oh my, pick up the spirit of Jonathan and say, what do you need to be successful in the anointing that God has put on your life? And love will cause you to do that. He said, I'm equipping you with what you need for your role. I'm supporting you. I will deny myself. So that you can have it. It's interesting. The scripture says from that point on, David prospered. David prospered. Jonathan loved David. Made a covenant with David. Even though David was taking his spot. And even though David could have been construed as a threat to him. He said, my stuff's your stuff. Let me make you successful. Let me make you prosperous. Let me help you. That's love in action. It's interesting. When you go to Acts chapter 4. The Bible tells us that all the believers were one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Isn't it amazing that that spirit in the New Testament was my stuff's your stuff? My stuff is your stuff. You see, love in action says it's mine. You need it, so I give it to you. It's mine. It belongs to me. But I recognize your spot. I recognize your anointing. I recognize what you need. I have it. You need it. Let me give it to you. That's love. Let me put some flesh to it. Can I put some flesh to it today? I got a, I got a text message this week from somebody who said to me, hey, we followed your lead. 
say, a couple weeks ago, I talked in church about how I took a, a weekend and took the kids. I traveled a whole three miles to the Wingate Hotel, took the grandkids swimming, swam Friday night, swam Saturday morning, walked around town, got food to eat, a little mini vacation, traveled a whole three miles, had a blast. Why did I do it? Because I love them. But this person said, we followed your lead. We haven't done that in years, and we didn't. We had such a blast. And then they said to me, I got an idea. So, okay, what's your idea? Well, I'm going to tell you the idea, but I, I, need, I need help. So everybody going, look the other way. Paige, come here, Paige. Come on, honey, come on, trust me. Trust your pastor, Paige. Let me tell you what Paige did one time. I was harassing her on a Wednesday night at, with Bible study at the old church. And she had to go out and do something with the kids. And so I was harassing her as she went out to do it with the kids. So I see her walking through the hall and, and she came back in, but I couldn't see her come back in. She, she literally got on the floor and crawled up the aisle so I wouldn't see her. <laughs> come here. Come here. So, so, so let me tell you what. I'm I want you to know that, that, you know, here's what we know about you. I know a lot about you. I won't tell you everything I know. I'm just kidding. All right. But you, 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 you know what? You've been really doing well. You know, you've overcome a lot in life. You've overcome a lot. You've come a long way. You know, you bought a house. You're a homeowner. That's something you didn't think you'd be able to do. You, you're raising the kids. You've done really, really well. Some days it gets a little tiresome. Some days it gets a little weary. Some days it gets a little hard. Yeah, a little accident with the little one. That stinks. But anyhow, so I, I, was, I was telling you. So, so anyhow, so, so somebody said to me, why don't we do that for somebody? Let's bless somebody. And so I got to thinking about it. So here's what we're doing. So I want you to know, we have this little thing now we're calling, and it's called a weekend at the Wingate. Okay? All right? And here's what's going to happen, all right? So, so, you know, it's downtown, so you don't have to travel far. You probably travel less far than I did. All right? So you're going to go down to Wingate, and you're going to have a night in a suite. You're going to be there. There's a nice pool in there. Let's see the pool, okay? Now, with this, with this is also going to come some things. Because, you know, you, if you're going to take the kids and you're going to take them swimming, you've got to have food. All right? Because it's no fun without food. Because, you know. So what comes with this is a one-night stay. There's going to be a clay cup gift card, so you can go get coffee and hot chocolate. They really got good hot chocolate. All right? You go sheets card, so you can go get some snacks or whatever you can get right across the street there. And then there's going to be a Papa John pizza card, so you can have a pizza party by the pool. Okay? Now, listen, listen. This was not my idea. It was somebody else's idea. They said, how about we do this? They're paying for the night in the hotel, and we're, giving, we're, we're going to give you the food and all that stuff. This is why we're doing it, because we found that it, we enjoyed it. It was a blessing to us. How do we share that love? How do we take that was ours and bless somebody else? We want to bless you. This is a gift from God. This is an encouragement from God. God loves you. Take those little rascals. Let them splash. Let them play. Feed them. Stuff them full. And enjoy it on us. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it funny you can come to church and be blessed? Hmm? This was not my idea. It was somebody else's idea that wishes to remain anonymous. And I said, okay. I said, you pay for the room and we'll put some things with it. What a wonderful blessing. Amen. But that's what you do. My stuff is your stuff. In other words, I'm taking my money. Not me. This person, I'm taking my money and I'm going to give it to somebody so that somebody can be blessed. That's love in action. It's love in action. 
I'll put some flesh to it. My stuff is your stuff, he said. And then the next point is this. So, so from that point, David was, he was, he was totally prosperous. He was successful. He was winning victories. And the next point is, I'm going to celebrate your victories, not fear them. Saul didn't love David. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out from the city singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with joy and musical instruments. And they sang that song. The women said, Saul has slain his thousands. And David, bye. I won't even try to compete with that. (laughs) Take them to the hotel. She wants to go now. She, she heard it. I want to go now. I'm done with church. Check in. Check in is at three. Mom. Let's get out of here. It says that Saul heard this song and he became angry. He became angry. And the Bible says he began to look at David with suspicion. All right. See, Saul didn't love David. Because he didn't love David, he could not celebrate the success of David. I celebrate the success of my kids. I celebrate the success of our staff. I celebrate the success of those I love. All right. Jonathan loved David. Therefore, he wasn't jealous of David. True love of people doesn't get jealous of their success. Saul was a man who was insecure in who he was. Therefore, he was jealous of who David was. I heard T.D. Jakes one time say to people in a leadership conference, he says, you'll never, you'll never preach like T.D. Jakes. You'll never preach like T.D. Jakes. You might preach better than me. You may preach a lot better than me. He says, you may preach me out of a job. I'll go clean toilets. I'm not sure about that, but anyhow. All right. The point is, he was secure in who he was. Jealousy caused him to be angry with those who rejoiced over David. He was angry at the people. Jealousy caused him to be unable to rejoice with David. Jealousy caused him to be suspicious of David. Jealousy always seeks destruction. Always. Think about the scripture tells us in the book of Acts, the patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Because of the jealousy of Joseph, they tried to destroy him. Job says, for anger slays the foolish man and jealousy kills the simple. In the book of Acts chapter five, it says the high priest rose up along with his associates and they were filled with jealousy and tried to destroy Paul. Jealousy always seeks destruction. And Saul repeatedly tried to kill David. He said, I'll celebrate, not fear them. First Corinthians 13, love in action, or love, love says, love is patient, love is kind. And it is not jealous. It is not jealous. Love causes you to celebrate the success of your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your brothers, your sisters. Love will cause you to celebrate the success of a coworker, a boss, a pastor, a church. If you can love people, it'll free you of resentment and bitterness and it'll empower you to rejoice over them and rejoice over their success. Jealousy is the fruit of unhealthy passions within you. Jealousy isn't about that person. It's about the, what's going on inside of you. 
A jealous spirit always seeks to destroy that which it is jealous of. Bible says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Saul's kingdom was a kingdom of disorder because of the jealousy in which he spent his life trying to destroy David. His ended up in disorder and evil. A jealous spirit flows from a seed of incompleteness on the inside of a person. Jealousy isn't about what's going on with the person. It's about what's going on inside of this person. I will celebrate. Love celebrates others, not fear them. Another point, next, next point, is I will delight in you. I will delight in you. Let me tell you something. You might have noticed that I have a little bit of delight in my grandkids. I, I, it's hard to believe. You might have noticed. But I want to say this. You might have noticed. They delight in me. Do I, do, I, do I need to bring that slide up? What slide was that? <laughs> hmm? Yes, I'm shameless with it. I will delight in you. The Bible says, now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, all son, greatly delighted in David. First Corinthians 13 says what? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Saul, where was Saul getting his delight? Saul was getting his delight in the idea and the thoughts of destroying David. He was delighting in evil. Some people delight in the demise of another. Some of the stuff I've heard people say, hoping that happens to other people sometimes, they're going, Ooh. they may not voice it, but it's in their heart. And what you're doing when you are celebrating or you're looking for the demise of another or you want them to be unsuccessful, you are actually conspiring and thinking evil. Ouch. Anybody ever been there? I have. Saul was delighting himself with thoughts of destroying David, harming David. His delight was to chase and destroy the would-be king of Israel. Why? Because he was a jealous man. He could not take delight in David. You can't delight in what you don't love. You can't delight in that whom you don't love. You can't delight in whom you're jealous of. You can't delight in the one you think has what you deserve or what you should have. Jonathan, the next king of Israel, delighted in his replacement. Why? Let me tell you why. Because he loved him as himself. I delight in my family. I delight in my church. I delight in you. I'm telling you. I go brag about you. Like, like, like almost to the point of grandkids. You're not quite on that status, okay? I'm just letting you know. But I take a lot of delight. I delight in the success of our pastors who have dreams and aspirations. I delight in that. I, I delight in the success of my friends and their churches and businesses. We must find a way to delight in each other. David said in the Psalms that I delight myself in the saints of God. Man, some delight in evil, some delight in people. When you can delight in who you are, listen to me, when you can delight in who you are, you can delight in who they are. A lot of people can't delight in somebody else because they can't delight in who they are. The inability to delight in others comes from the inability to delight in self. The inability to delight in others comes from the inability to delight in who God delights. 
sin. Do you understand when you can't delight over your neighbor, over your brother uh, and sister in the Lord, that you can't delight in the one that God delights over? The Bible tells me he delights in us, that he dances over us, he sings over us. And yet we can't do it for each other. But I promise you this, when you catch the heart of God and you love people like God loves people, you'll delight in people. Doesn't mean they still want to irritate you sometimes. How many of you can even delight in people who irritate you? I will delight in you. I will protect you. I will protect you. So Jonathan told David saying, Saul, my father is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. Because I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let, let me tell you something. If this man had an evil heart, if he had evil aspirations, if he was, if he was self-seeking and self-loving, he just said, you know what? Get him, dad. Get him, dad. But instead, he defied his father. Defied his father and protected this one. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love always protects. Doesn't sometimes. I mean, I said last week, love always doesn't leave room for love sometimes. Love always doesn't leave room for love sometimes. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What you love, you will protect. I was, I was three quarters of the way to church this morning. I was running a little bit late to begin with. I'm three quarters of the way to church. I get a phone call from Tony. Tony says, hey, do you have Carson's car seat? Yes, I do. Now, you know, let me tell you what happens. Okay, I don't know. Maybe you're all like, well, just put her in the back seat and strap her in. How many, how many might have just heard that voice? And maybe just would have. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you right now, it went through my mind. And then my mind was like, oh, no, no, I watch. Back home. Okay. No, I might have went 95 miles an hour. Okay. That's why I was so late getting into service. I had to go back home, get the car seat there to protect her. Hmm? How many of you know what it is to protect your kids? Protect your grandkids. You'll protect what you love. Penny, you better believe she protects what she loves. That dog, I can't do a thing to it. (laughs) If you love yourself more than others, your life is spent protecting yourself. If you love your life more than you love others, you'll spend your life protecting yourself. You'll protect yourself from harm. You'll protect yourself. You'll protect your turf. You'll protect your stuff. You'll protect your position. It's all about self-preservation. Saul's attitude towards David was an attitude of self-preservation because he didn't love David. My victories. Saul was about my victories, my name, my position, my fame, my son's throne, my lineage, my heritage. It's all about me. Self-preservation. It's all about protecting self because he loved himself. Jonathan, on the other hand, protected the one whom he loved as himself. Selfless love is love that will protect others. Uh, Let me give you a a little bad English this morning. Would that be all right? Say, well, you've been doing it for the last 25 minutes. If you ain't protecting, you ain't loving. If you ain't protecting, you ain't loving. Love always protects. Told you. I'll repeat it because I want to get the idea. 
There's been times in our church where people have done things they should not have done. They have broken laws. They have done things, and people were looking for them, and I tell them all the time, that listen to me, make no mistake about it. I've told people. I've told people to their face, I will turn you in. My place is never between justice and the one who breaks the law. Now, I will turn you in, but I will stand between you and the mob. I will not let you be destroyed by that angry mob on social media. I will not let them stone you. I will not let those. Come on, how many know what Jesus did for the woman uh, caught in adultery? He never said what you did was okay. He said what you're doing is wrong. But he would not let them destroy her. Love always protects. Always protects. And last but not least of these points is... I will bless your offspring. This is David's part, not Jonathan. David takes his throne. The civil war is ending. He's got his throne. He looks around. He's got a question. Is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was so good to me and Jonathan loved me so much and Jonathan gave me his stuff and Jonathan loved me as himself and and Jonathan made me successful and Jonathan was by my side. Is there anybody left that I can bless because of him? Love is eternal. Love doesn't end with death because you have to understand at this point, David, David knew Jonathan was dead. Saul was dead. But how many know, even though the person may die, your love doesn't die. The relationship may end, but love itself doesn't end. Many of you here today know how much you love someone who has passed away. My son has passed away. My love hasn't passed away. My father has passed away. My love has not passed away. You understand what I'm saying this morning. There are things that you do in the present because of the love that you had for someone that was in the past. Let me give you, I'll put some more flesh to it. Let me give you an example. I'll do it quick. My father died in 1996, massive heart attack, 58 years old. My mother was 56, looking pretty young now. (laughs) The older I get, the more young that's looking. Sometimes children have a problem with their surviving parent remarrying. That's selfish. The, The question wasn't at that point, what's good for me? What's best for me? The question is, what's best for mom? The, The question was, what's best for mom? And the other question was, what would dad want? What would dad want? And I knew what my dad would want. I want my, he wants his wife to be happy, taken care of, secure. She can live another 30 years, 40 years. The rate she's gone, it might be 50. She might have to bury me. <laughs> she threatened to do that before. <laughs> the, the attitude towards mom and, my, and Harry, who's my stepfather, Getting married was shaped out of two things. What's best for mom and what would my dad want? My love for my father in the past shaped my actions of the present. I was doing dad no favors by coming against this. I was doing dad no favors if I'm all because I got resentment and want her to live the rest of her life alone to try to keep some notion that she couldn't remarry alive. alive. I would embrace this because I loved her and I loved him and I knew what he would want. You know, and, and, and quite frankly, it's the hand you're dealt. He's 58. He, it's the hand we were dealt. But I will say this. If you had to hand pick somebody to replace your dad, you'd pick Harry Cree. 
I wished he was here today. I'll, you pick Harry Cree because he's took, he has been with my mother. He has loved my mother. He has taken care of my mother. And they have been a wonderful couple. It's not the hand we would have rather played. It's the hand we had to play. And so I stand here today and say to you, my actions are in the present are dictated by my love of someone from the past. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? David says, who's left from Saul's house so that I can show kindness to him for Jonathan's sake? He equipped David. He stepped aside. He celebrated. He delighted. He protected. Now David would bless his descendants. And they said, yeah, there's one. He's lame in both feet. Meshippeth. Go get him. Get him. And he brings him in. You've got to understand, in that culture, what Mephibosheth would have been thinking is, I'm going to die now because you eliminate them all. He says, you will get your land back and you will eat at my table the rest of your life. Because I loved your father, your grandfather. The seeds of love you sow today will bless future generations. I'm telling you, if you will sow seeds today, it will bless your generations. There are people in my life that I will treat you well just because you treated my kids well. It's a fact. You want your kids to be blessed? Love others as yourself. You want to rob your kids of a blessing someday? Don't love others as yourself. You want your grandchildren to be blessed? Love others as you love yourself. Because there's seeds that you sow. Because how many of the Bible says, we reap what we sow. You see, this is putting some flesh to this this morning. And this is the story of love and action. And it's the story of Jonathan and David. It's a wonderful testimony to Jonathan. But here's what I want you to know today. This isn't just the testimony of Jonathan. It's what Jesus did for you and I. You see, I'm using his story to get us to put our love in action. But I'm also using it to point us to Christ. The goal today is for you not to become like Jonathan. The goal today is for us to become like Jesus. That's the goal. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, come on, Troy. The Bible says that Jesus loved me as he loved himself. You see, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. But how many know Jesus could give a command to love your neighbor as himself because Jesus loved us as himself? And what did he do? He says, you know what? Because I love them, I'm willing to step aside so they can step up. I'll leave my father's estate. I'll leave my glory in heaven. I'll take on the, uh, I'll humble myself and become the form of a man. Even to the point of death. I will step down so they can step up. You know why you can step up today? Because Jesus stepped down. That's why we can step up. That's why we're seated in the heavenly places with him. If he didn't step down, we're never seated with him in heavenly places. He left his glory in heaven. His stuff became our stuff. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Jonathan said, David, here's my robe. Jesus said, here's my robe. It's the robe of a king. Because the Bible tells me that he made us to be kings and priests to serve our God. He says, you once were a pauper. You once were a spiritual beggar. But now I'm going to clothe you with our God. I'm going to give you my robe of righteousness. I'm going to give you the sword of the spirit. Come on. You see it this morning? 
His death became our death. His life became our life. His works became our works. How many know his gifts became our gifts? His fruit became our fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And go ahead. And he celebrates our victories. I mean, remember the story when the disciples came back and said, Man, we saw Satan. We, we, we cast out demons. Remember the Bible tells us that he leaped with joy over their victories. He still, he still leaps for joy over our victories. He's a consummate cheerleader. He delights in us. He sings over us. He delights in you. You say, does he delight in everything I do? No. I don't delight in everything my kids ever did, but I delighted in them. And then he protects us. He protects us. I'm not here today because I was always smart with decisions I made. I mean, sometimes his grace just protected me. Some of you are alive today because of the protection of Jesus Christ. He protects you. The Bible tells me that my righteousness will lead me and God will be my rear guard. I don't have to live in self-preservation mode. I don't have to live watching my back. In the year 2000, I brought a man in here. He was thrown out of his church. That man was uh, 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 because of something that happened 25 years earlier in his ministry. And his church came to him at midnight and got rid of him. And we said, we're going to restore you. We're going to see you restored. And people said to me, this is what people said. Because this guy was a veteran preacher. 25 years, he gets up without notes. I still use notes. It's good for you. It's shorter that way. (laughs) Amen. People said, you better watch your back. It's not my, and that's why I said, it's not my job to watch my back. It's not my job to watch my back. It's my job to do what God tells me to do. And if I get stabbed in the back, he's the one that has to heal it. It's not my job to watch it. God wants to restore this man. It's not my job. Your righteousness will lead you and God will be your rear guard. Stop living in self-preservation mode, trying to hang on to stuff. He will protect you. And he is the one who blesses our offspring. It's not about Jonathan. The message was about Jonathan. But listen to me this morning. The aspiration is to be like Jesus. The aspiration is to, is to receive what Jesus did for this David. What Jesus did for us. And receive it. And live it. And give it. And put love in action. I tried my best to put flesh to it today. I tried my best to put flesh to it. Love is not just a feeling. But it is action. And it is powerful. And it is powerful. Faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. Father, this morning in this house, I pray that each of us would catch this message. That we would catch these words. That we would catch the principles that are found within them. That, Father, this morning we would understand. We heard the story of Jonathan. And we heard the story of Jonathan and David, but rather, but, but also, we now look to your son, Jesus Christ, who was better than Jonathan, greater than Jonathan. And we were that David. We were that David that you chose. 
to put your hand on. And we were that David that he delighted in, that he would give us life for, that we were that David that he would say, I'll step aside so they can step up, Father. I'll step down so they can step up. That we are that David that he said, here's my stuff. Here's my gifts. Here's my work. Here's my joy. Here's my peace. Here's what you need. I give it to you. That we're that David that he would protect. We're that David that he delights in. That we're that David this morning. And now, Father, we want to say, we want to return that blessing to you. By living in a spirit of love to all those around us. Mm. Father, there are Meshippethes in the land that need to experience the love of those who have received the love of Jesus. There's nothing to do, there's not a point in the message, but I want you to hear this this morning. You're a David, and you have received everything that Jesus did for you. But I'm telling you, you didn't receive it to keep it to yourself. You receive it to give it to lame, crippled, powerless people. To raise them to health, to raise them to life, to raise them to dignity, to raise them to a place of experiencing the love of the Father. And I charge you today, I charge this body by the name of Jesus Christ that you receive the love of Jesus and you live the love of Jesus. Listen to me. We're going to sing this. I'm done. But I want you to understand something. God's love for you was reckless. It was reckless. But listen to me. What he wants in return is a reckless love. For him and for others. The apostles are a picture in the book of Acts of restless love in action. Restless love in action. Don't you just check out as another service. You catch this. I want you to even think about this song in this way. This is what he did for you. But now as you're singing it, I want you to think this way. This is what I'm going to do for him and for others. Come on, Troy.